Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with episode 40 of the Tutor Podcast. The Monday morning shot of uncommon sense for people in the business of helping others through tutoring, teaching and coaching. Now, today I'm going to be talking about retirement and pensions for tutors. Now, I've got to be totally frank and issue a warning here because I'm not an expert in pensions or retirement planning. And I want you to seek out real expert advice because this stuff really, really matters. Right, let's get cracking. Now, chances are that like me, you've been really busy growing your teaching business to give you a decent to good or maybe even an excellent living, but you won't have given a lot of thought to what happens next. Chances are you've got no workplace pension because you're self-employed. You've probably got no investments. At most, you'll have some savings. And you, just like me, think you're immortal, don't you? That resonates with just about everyone. We all think we're going to live forever. Me, I'm still 17 in my head. And I am made of titanium. Now, though I never want it to grow up, I know I'm going to grow old. I always say that there's a world of difference between getting old and growing up. But only one of them is optional. So I had a wake-up call. A few years ago now, I was in Spain cycling, as an old racing cyclist, coming down on a really fast mountain descent, and I'd slowed to take a bend because I thought it looked a little bit slippy on top. And the front wheel of the bike washed out from underneath me. So I'm wearing a pair of cycling shorts, cycling top and fingerless mittens and I hit the road at about 60 kmh. I slid across my lane, the next lane, into the faster lane of the rising traffic. And very fortunate, the guy coming up the hill, a taxi driver, had slammed his brakes on and was stationary by the time I slid under the front of his car. That stopped me from going under a big black bus, big coach that was going up the crawler lane behind him. Had I not gone into the taxi and been stopped, I would have gone into the coach. And I may not have been here to tell you this. I looked down at my hands and I noticed I had nine big red blobs on the end of my fingers where I put my hands out to break as I slid across the tarmac and it had just taken the faces off my thumbs and my fingers. They were just little puddles of blood on the end of my hands. And I was in a lot of pain. I'd lost a great deal of skin. What I didn't know until I got back to Britain, about 10 days later, was that I'd actually broken a bone in my leg as well. So didn't stop me going running the next day, because I'm kind of stupid that way. And what, what it did cause to happen as I was in my hotel room, probably quite off my head on painkillers, having passed out and gone straight into shock in hospital casualty, um was that I was going to die and I didn't really have a plan. And I thought, well, if I can die, what if I could get sick? And that led me to think about what if I can't find any more students for what I do? And what if there's a change in the economy? And, you know, screw me, when did I get old? Because I just suddenly realised in a moment there, I was already 50. I mean, how does that happen? How does that happen to any of us? Inside, I'm an immature kid who can't take life seriously and, and to me 40 is old so holy crap i'm 50 and i'm all smashed up 
and looking at my hands covered in bandages like big jazz hands and I make my living playing guitar and teaching guitar this is like my WTF moment and I realised I, I didn't want to be a really old guitar teacher because I imagine a bleak future for me of being really old and having no choice but to eke out a, a meagre living working with just a few students who still found me credible and relevant I got to thinking about retirement and pensions and it sent shivers down my back but that could have just been the ice water that I was using to try and take some of the pain away retirement and pensions are things that happen to other people as far as I'm concerned it doesn't happen to guys like me and that's an editorial guy which means male and female and those of shall we call it a more ambiguous gender definition it doesn't happen to guys like you and me because we are going to live forever, aren't we? Except we won't. Hopefully we're going to ride our motorcycles full throttle to the graveside and skid sideways into the hole with a beer in one hand and a hot babe or dude, dilly as applicable, clinging to us as we expire, utterly spent and knackered with a big smile on our faces as we cry out, what a ride! And then we cock it. Now that's my best case scenario. But the chances are that it's more likely there'll be a decline and a loss of function if I continue to live a long life. Now I don't want to retire because I absolutely love teaching and changing people's lives but I've got to be realistic. Events and circumstances might conspire and I might not get the choice. I might have to retire. <gasps> Scary. So what am I going to do and what, and what can you do? Well the first thing to do is assess the situation and get real with yourself. You're going to die. Deal with it. You're going to get old if you're lucky deal with that. If you haven't yet taken care of your financial future into old age, it's time to wake up and deal with your indolence and neglect because they are going to come and bite you in the arse if you don't. Make a plan for yourself because having no plan is no kind of option at all. Consider everything. There are multiple options for us. Now get on with it. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to build a secure financial future for yourself. And have an idea of an exit strategy. For me, my exit strategy is death. It, it's pretty simple for me. I want to go, go, go until I die. And then I won't have to worry about anything. When I die, I'm having a long lie-in with no bad dreams. No alarm clock to wake up for. So that's my exit strategy. Is just live, live as long as I possibly can. Go as long as I possibly can. Have as much fun as I possibly can. And then die instantaneously. Absolutely spent and knackered. Because if I've got anything left in the tank, I'll think there's something I've missed or I've wasted. So let's have a look at what we would do if we followed a traditional path. Now, traditionally, you spend a lifetime contributing to a pension scheme, uh, both a workplace or and or estate pension. And at a certain age, you retire from work and you start receiving payments from the scheme. But here's the thing. That model is, if not dead, then it's mortally wounded. Around the world, welfare systems are bankrupt. The liabilities exceed the assets and their anticipated cash flows. And that's coupled with longer lifespans, why retirement ages are being ratcheted up by successive governments. You see, to put it bluntly, pensions are a crapshoot. They're a systemized gamble, a punt on lifespans and death rates. You pay them through your whole life, and maybe you'll live long enough to pull out all your money. Maybe. But guys, the table is rigged and it ain't rigged in your favour. And it gets worse because pension payouts are now much lower than they used to be. A pension pot fund 
that would have given you a decent pension income a couple of decades ago. Only producers of pittance now. Here's how it works. You get your state pension. This is assuming you've played the game properly and you've made your national insurance contributions. Now, I know a lot of tutors who don't make national insurance contributions because they don't make enough money. Check it out. You may, if you're on very low income, be exempt from making national insurance contributions, which helps to safeguard your pensions. Now, if you don't know whether you've made national insurance contributions or not, then you almost certainly haven't and you need to get on the case. Okay. Now, the state pension component, the state pension provision in the UK is currently around eight and a half thousand pounds a year. That's not a lot of dosh, guys. If you've been saving for life after work and you've amassed a pension pot, you can use that to generate an income for you and add that to your state pension. Now, at the moment, the returns on your investment or your pension pot are around about £5,400 for every £100,000 you've got in the pot. So they're kind of saying, mm, getting on 90, 90 years and you'll take all your money back out. Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> so 19 years. So think long and hard if it's going to add up to enough income. If you've only got 100k in the pot, you've got £5,400 to add to your eight and a half grand estate pension. You're just under 14k a year. Now, if you've got four, £500,000 in the pension pot, then you might be able to look forward to a reasonably comfortable retirement. But there's a lure along the way that I really want to just hold up a little sidebar and say, take care of this. There's temptation to pull out at age 55, 25% of your pension pot tax-free, a lump sum. Now that might not be a great idea, particularly if you're like me, you're gonna be tempted to spend on stupid stuff you don't need. So just bear in mind whether that's gonna be worth it long-term. Talk to your professional advisor and your accountant about this stuff because it matters greatly. So what can we do? Well, conventionally you can get busy building a pension pot for yourself in a SIP, that's a self-invested personal pension. Or if you run your business as a limited company, a SAS, which is a small self-administered scheme. There is a previous episode of the Tutor podcast covering company structures. So if you're a sole trader thinking about moving to a limited company, it might be worth having a quick listen to that. And again, speak to your accountant professional advisor about the pros and cons of both of these schemes. The SAS has more flexibility, but it's more expensive to run takes more work now that's the conventional normal route but what else can we do well i'll tell you what i'm doing and see if it sparks any ideas for you because i'm taking a different tack i am still contributing to my sip my self-invested personal pension scheme a few hundred quid a month not big money and it's probably not going to make a difference long term what i am doing is i'm investing in myself and getting educated so that I've got continuous growth and much more valuable skill set. And this has led me to get into property investing. Now, I buy properties. Uh, at the moment, I've bought five. I've been in the game for two years. So I'm quite happy about that. And I'm looking to acquire about another 25 to 30 over the next 10 years, which sounds an awful lot, but it's only two and a half, maybe three a year. Because I'm book solid, I generate quite a lot of surplus cash. My overheads are low and... I work at home, so I'm just parking off my profits into something else. Here's how it works for me. I have long-term growth potential. Pretty much wherever the property cycle is, I'm not that bothered because things will go up, things will go down. I have no control over that. So I don't really worry about whether it's the right time to buy or not. 
I know there's long-term growth potential, and I know that over time, the value of the mortgages on the properties will be reduced because of inflation. So inflation is going to work for me long-term, and it'll probably raise the value of my property portfolio, drive the rents up, and reduce the real value of the debt on the properties. So inflation is actually good news for me. It's probably bad news for just about everybody else. Again, this is the unconventional thinking aspect of it. Whilst I'm waiting for all that to happen, every property is generating a rental income for me. So with five properties, there are five independent sources of income. I'm fairly de-risked. If I put all my eggs into one basket and just bought one property, that's high risk because all my eggs are in one basket. By diversifying, I've got five streams and I was able to leverage my startup capital. So that instead of buying one house, which was the original plan, I've wound up with five and an awful lot more money coming in than I would have had if I'd gone down my original path. This is the benefit of education, guys. Now, whilst I'm doing this and enjoying the benefits of it, I'm reinvesting the rental incomes from the properties to buy more properties, to generate more rental incomes, to buy more properties in a very virtuous cycle. I'm not upping my living expenses to reflect the additional income. I'm keeping things nice and cheap and I'm building a future portfolio. In the meantime, I'm taking great care of my tenants. We choose to have, I think, an obligation to help people. That's mostly why we're in the business. When I got into the business of teaching, it wasn't for the money. It was to help a young lad who was stuck and wanted to learn how I could make it look so easy to play and how I could play every song and every style in every key, usually without the dots in front of me. I want to help people. I'm helping people by giving them secure, safe, affordable housing long term. So I'm anticipating doing that for the next 10 to 20 years and leaving behind a property legacy for my son worth several million pounds, which isn't a bad thing to leave to your kid, and a rental income of well five figures a month. That's not a bad legacy from a humble guitar teacher. What are you going to do? I don't know what you're going to do. Well, I can only tell you what I'd, I'll do and see if it sparks imagination in you, makes you want to get in touch, ask questions. I'm here for you guys. Just hit me up at info at neilcamino.com and I'll keep you posted on how that goes for me. Now, as my pension pot grows, quite apart from the residential properties, I've got the ability to go and buy commercial properties. Maybe I'll need an office and or a teaching studio or a recording studio or a video studio for my business. As long as it's not residential, I can look at it with my pension funds. Now, just a quick nod to the business savvy or the even the noobs on this. If you own a business property, you can rent it to your own business. And if the office premises say it's owned by a pension fund, it's a very tax efficient way of moving money around. It is not tax evasion, it's savvy tax planning. If you don't have the means or the inclination to get into property investing or any other kind of investing, because you can pretty much make money on anything if you know your markets and your products, there's an awful lot more you can do. As experts in our field, we tutors can make products out of what we know. Personally, I've written a couple of books, I'm writing some more at the moment, and I'm putting together some courses and seminars to share what I know with other expert teachers, as well as the wider mass of guitar players out there who are stuck and have struggled with conventional teaching and notation and such like, some of them for decades, because they're my demographic, they're my ideal customers. We can all make products out of what we know, and if we bring them to market, we give people the chance to say yes. Now, some of my music teaching friends are a little bit sniffy about being commercial. That's why they're skinned. Guys, we've got to be commercial because if we don't give ourselves value, we can't stick around in this career path, in this business, 
to help people, to share our ongoing love affair with it. If you think that being commercial somehow dirties your art, I would seriously, seriously urge you to think again about that. It actually positions you as an expert much better and gives more credence to your art and to what you do. Now, the way this works, believe it or not, is if you give stuff away all the time, it's perceived as having no value. Sure, sure, give stuff away. We'll have stuff to sell at the back of that. If you don't know what a product funnel is yet, we'll be covering that later in another episode because that's something I'm going to be building for myself. I'll be sharing that journey with you guys along the way. So make products and sell what you know. Sell your unique insights, your own personal take on what you do. Because if you're selling it face-to-face, you have a very small market. Even if you book solid, like I am, there's a limit to what you can do. By expanding into products, you can have more reach, more effect. You can help more people solve their problems, take away their pain for them, and earn additional revenue streams. Now, something else you might want to think about if you've got a unique product or service and systems at the back of it, and that's very important, you could develop a franchise opportunity for other people to use your systems and intellectual property and pay you a royalty every month forever. This is the way McDonald's works and a lot of the other big chains is franchising. Furthermore, you could hire people, train people to do what you do and employ them. As an employer, you can take a cut off the top and everybody in the team then works for you and effectively pays you for the privilege of working for you. Now, the last two things I want to talk about here is diversification. Get out into unrelated fields like myself with property, the the removal of risk of adding a second stream once you are maxed out in your first stream of income. I don't think I can stress that that's vital. It's very, very hard for me to say anything negative about diversification once you've maximized your potential in your first stream. The last option is to get out of tutoring altogether. If you're struggling to make a living and you can't see a way forward, if all you have ahead of you is hardship and difficulty and it's not pleasurable for you, it might be an idea to think about a different path for you. So that's me playing devil's advocate. But you'll know in your heart whether it's right and whether it's something you want to commit to. Commit to being excellent, make a fantastic income and keep on tutoring, guys. Now, if we get into these ideas, make your products, franchise, hire people and diversify, you can build a very long tail uh, behind you. If you produce products, a book, a video, whatever. You can sell that for years, possibly even for the rest of your life if it's evergreen content and doesn't go out of date. Now, the great thing about the modern age is you can do that time after time after time, and it's very, very cheap, if not free to do. If you make one product, it might not do much for you. Maybe it makes 20 quid a month, say, selling a book on Amazon, a few copies a month. But what happens when you add a second product, an allied product, that makes you more visible? and cross sells for you. You could add maybe one every month or two. Let's say you can do two a month. You could do six a year. So one product a month might make you 20 quid a month. Six could make you 120 quid a month. Keep doing it year on year for 10 years. That could be making you an extra 1,200 pounds a month, assuming that there's no additional sale based on having more visibility, a bigger footprint, and a a more credible position as a multi-book or multi-product producer. The more products you've got, the more you're going to get found and the more you're going to sell. 
Honestly, guys, I truly believe that opportunities are everywhere, all around us. There's so much money out there that if we're wise and we wake up, we should just be holding buckets out and catching lots and lots of money. In the next few months, I'm going to be on a journey myself in exactly this way, I'm on a mission to bring my own accelerated learning system for guitar and bass players to the market. It's the stuff that I wish I'd known on day one that finally, and I was part way through a music degree when I had the, the moment of clarity that snapped everything in for me. It allowed me to understand finally the instrument that had frustrated me and frankly had really pissed me off for 23 years. And I had a moment of clarity and went, aha, I've taught that system now for about 12 years. It's made me way more money than when I was a management consultant and when I was an accountant. And it's been immense fun and joyful to share that. And I've got to get it out to a bigger audience because at the moment I'm doing well. I'm booked solid 50 hours a week with local clients one-to-one. -one. But there are hundreds of thousands of people out there who could benefit from what I do. And at some point, my teaching one-to-one -one will stop. I'll either get sick, get old, or find out something more fun to do with myself. I can't imagine what that would be. But when I do stop teaching, I want to keep having a six to seven figure income from what I've learned and developed over the years. I want it for the rest of my life. Now, my message here is really this. It's not about really all the stuff I'm doing. That's just to illustrate possibilities for an average guy. The future is coming, guys. It's coming for us all. Now, how it goes is going to be a matter of choice for us. I'm lucky. I had a very serious cycling accident and it woke me up to my own mortality and my own fragility. And it got me to take action. I'm trying to wake you up in a way that's less brutal, less painful and less horrific than going under a taxi at speed whilst you're looking at a dirty big black bush thinking, am I going to be a bloody pancake? What action are you going to take? If you're already on it, then fabulous. You've got a plan in motion. Brilliant. I salute you. Hit me up info at neilcamado.com and tell me how you're doing it. What's working for you? Because maybe that's something I can share with other tutors. You never know who you can help. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to learn. I'm here to help in any way that I possibly can. So please, guys, wake up. The future's coming. And if you're not planning for it, you're going to have to settle with any old rubbish. And it ain't going to be nice. So I'll just get down off my soapbox for a minute and wrap it up because that's my 10 cents worth on life after work so please let me know what caught your ear in this episode and how you get on putting some of these ideas to work for yourself send it in again info at neilcamado.com that's all for today but in the next episode we're going to be talking about your usp your own unique selling proposition it's the reason why your ideal customer will be mental to hire anybody else but you so I'll be looking at explaining what a USP is, how they work, how to find your own, so you can get on and make a difference in your own life as you grow and enjoy your tutoring business. Till then, remember to subscribe to the Tutor Podcast and please leave a review if you wouldn't mind. Share it with your friends and I'll keep on doing this. Meantime, you get all the updates and all the tips so I can help you to start and grow and love your tutoring businesses. Join me next time on the next episode of the Tutor Podcast. I'm Neil Camberdo. Have yourself a fabulous day. 
Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses. 